0: Um, if you got a Bible with you, uh, will you turn with us in Luke chapter 10? We're preaching from verse 1 uh, to 12. If you're joining us for the very first time, we are still we're in message number 61 uh, of Luke. Uh, we're just walking through the book of Luke, just looking at the, uh, Jesus from the, uh, the, the book of Luke. So we're reading from verse 1 uh, to 12 reading as this, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them ahead of him two by two into every town, place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no uh, snapsack, no sandals. Greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborers deserve his wages. Do not go from house to house whenever you enter a town and they receive you. Eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you go into its streets and say even the dust of your town that clings on our feet we wipe off against you nevertheless know this that the kingdom of god has come near you i tell you it will be more bearable on that day on that day for sodom than for that town lord jesus we come before you this morning thank you lord god for uh, your word that is sharper than a double-edged sword. I pray, Lord God, that will speak into our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, <clears throat> we decided to tackle this uh, sermon, uh, the kingdom has come. The kingdom has come. And firstly, um, the structure of this message, um, I, just went to, uh, I went and just looked at how Luke organized this passage. And I decided just to go exactly how Luke did So in terms of like just doing introduction, and then we'll touch on the three points to go pray and proclaim. Then after that, we'll land on our application for our sermon. But firstly, I would like to look at the passages, just take some kind of emphasis and highlights and repetitions that we see that are revealed in the structure of this message. Um, That will give us a big idea that we can use as a summary of our message today so a couple of uh, emphasis and and reputation that we see here it's um he appoints sends and the labors and the harvest and peace and the kingdom message as well so as a way of like kind of putting that into one sentence it is only the lord who appoints and sends the laborers to his harvest to speak peace that comes with his kingdom message. And after that, we can go home. That's a message for today. So otherwise, I'll just break that down for you as a kind of introduction of this passage. We see from the first verse, Luke starts by John saying, after this. What does Luke mean when he's saying these two words, after this? He means that you must go and check the previous chapter. Uh, what um, what he he was talking about. If you were here last Sunday, you can maybe remember that Garrett, he took us through a story of these three guys who really wanted to follow Jesus, but in their way, not in Jesus' way. (laughs) But the main idea that Garrett gave us last week was uh, about our upside-down priorities when we want to follow Jesus. And... uh, From this first guy, Jesus replied and said these words, The foxes have dens to live in, and the birds have the nest, but the son of man have no place to lay his head. But when I was just reading this, I just saw that Jesus was pointing out the two things. That can be the hindrances in accepting Jesus' call, and follow him in his way, not our way. The first one is our idols. Although all of us, we have a desire to follow Jesus, but created things and the things of this world, they always have more room and more time in our hearts, more than the creator himself. That is why he said, the foxes have gans to live in, and the birds have nest, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. And second thing is our priorities. Things that we always put first when it comes to listening to Jesus' call. The other two guys, they had a desire to follow Jesus, but the other things took the first priority in their hearts more than the kingdom of God. That's why they were asking Jesus, Jesus, We want to follow you, but can we do this first? Can we do this first? How many of us today are struggling with the same problem of upside-down priorities in our lives? When Jesus is calling you to follow him with our lives or to follow him with our money, as Garrett was uh, encouraging us this morning, we say, okay, Jesus, I really want to follow you, but um, I need to finish school first i need to get a job i need to build a house for my family i need to get married first i need to build a bigger house i need to start a family i need to buy a house i need to start a business i need to wait for my kids to finish school to finish studying my kids to be able to stand on their own and and maybe god i'm still busy right now when i retire maybe i'll have enough time until it goes on and on and on until until you die, with all those kind of excuses, it's because the enemy wants to rob us the great opportunity to serve Jesus and His kingdom mission. So in this passage, we see uh, Luke joining these excuses of these three guys, and now Jesus is turning. To the 72. I know some of our Bible, they say 70, but uh, other translation, they say 72. So I will stick to ESV that it says 72. And Jesus is appointing the 72 others, and He sent them out to go ahead of Him. So when I was just reading this, I saw such three important things that are highlighted in this passage just from verse 1. to to verse 12, which I believe God is also calling you and me to do today. The first thing, we are called to go. We are called to go. After this, the Lord appointed the 72 others and they sent them out ahead of him. Jesus did not call and sent only the 12. I think you remember when we preached in Luke uh, chapter 9, he was calling the 12, then he sent them out. But he also activated the larger group to send them all out ahead of him. And but the key word here, the Bible says, he sent them two by two into the places where he was about to go. Why do we think it's so important for Jesus to send them, not in couples, but just two by two? Don't you think maybe it could have been better, or maybe a greater reach, if Jesus um, sent them out to the city one by one, um, alone, not just in two by twos in pairs. Just imagine if he sent them, he sent the seventy-two in seventy-two cities and and seventy-two towns or houses. Maybe he could have reach, made a greater reach in the community, a greater impact. But no. The kingdom of God is not about the quantity, but the kingdom of God is about the quality. This is also means that Christian, the Christian life journey was never meant to be walked alone. Jesus knew that if the disciples were going to go into, into prayers, that we're going to be much more stronger together. That is why in our church, we always encourage people to do their dimension or to be on mission together as trios, as community groups, as ministries uh, that we have in our church because we believe that we are much more effective when we reach our community together. Maybe sometimes when you do notices, you think these people are crazy. Every time they talk about trios, they talk about community groups. What's wrong if I just come from home, dust my Bible, go to church, warm the seat, and go back home, and then I wait for the next Sunday? No, Jesus didn't call us to be like that as Christians. He wanted, He wants us to be together. So, because together we are more strong. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine to ten says, to people are better off than one. They can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Sometimes there are people here in the church we don't even know what's going on in their lives. If we don't see them at church if we didn't make a phone call, they, won't, they will never phone us and say, hey, sorry, uh, we missed church because of this reason, so we'll be there next week. They don't even care. They feel like it's better if I'm just alone here. God loves me, and the Bible tells me so. But doing things together helps us for our accountability purposes. We can remind each other, we can encourage each other, we can challenge each other, we can support and protect each other, we can help each other, even with our blind spots. Because sometimes we can walk tall and think you're fine, but if you can have someone who can say, hey brother, you forgot your toothpaste (laughs) here. And that is really helping you. Um... I just remember one day there was a friend of mine. Um, he was having this thing of like repeating jeans. So uh, one day he he just went to the shower, then he came back, and he was just taking off everything, and uh, then he changed only the underwears. So, but when he went back, he took out the jean and he put it on, and then uh, with the new underwear. But he forgot there was another underwear hanging inside and then he went to work and he just he was just walking and talking to people and people were looking at i saw everybody's eyes were keep looking down what's wrong but there was something that he kept pulling with his leg and he didn't even see it but but because of he had other people they could they were able to help him even before he had more eyes on it Where Jesus was sending these people to go. and Luke tells us that Jesus appointed them and sent them ahead of him two by two into every town and places where he himself was about to go. What do this thing mean to us? As we like these guys who are sent by Jesus into our everyday life. It means that Once we become Christ followers, our primary calling is to take this message of the kingdom of God and announce it everywhere we live, everywhere we work, we study,
1: and everywhere
0: we we play. This is our job, to go and shine for Jesus. And what I really encourage me to see that Jesus will never send us into a place where he himself Not prepared to go. He sent them all out ahead of him into places where he was about to go. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, Jesus came and told his disciples, says, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching These new disciples to obey all the commandments that I have given you. And he said, be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What does it look like practically to announce the kingdom of God where we live, where we work, and where we play? It means that we are those who are called by God to turn out our brightness up to shine for Jesus and for his kingdom wherever we live, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, when we're bringing kids to school and everywhere, we need to shine for Jesus. I like this quote by John Calvin. He says these words, The gospel is not a doctrine of tongue, but of life. It cannot be grasped by reason or memory only but it is fully understood when it possesses the whole soul and penetrates into the inner recesses of our hearts. We need to practice what we preach. So if our gospel is just on our tongue, because people, they see us carrying the Bible, going to church, or telling people that I'm a Christian, but we are not the salt, we are not the light in the world and making influence to the people around us, maybe you can need to ask yourself this question. If you ever put the salt in the pot and keep tasting it, and, but it doesn't bring any taste, and you keep putting in it what you need to do with that salt is to throw it away because it lo- it's lost its saltiness. So if your life, you've been spending, you're counting how many years you had work in that company, but you never even convince one person with the way you share the gospel or the way you live. People don't even come to you and ask, Hey, I see your life is so different. How can I have what you have? How can I receive the thing that you believe in? Which means they don't even see the life of what you're saying with your mouth. We you become like a hypocrite. Isaiah 6 verse 8 says, when, when, when Isaiah, after he saw the Lord, and the Bible says, um, I have heard the voice of the Lord saying to me, whom shall I send? Who will go for me? Then I said, that was a great response from, from, from him. He says, here I am, send me. Number two, we are not only called to go to the people, but before we go, the Bible says we are called to pray. In verse two, he said to, to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of harvest to send out labors into his harvest. What is praying earnestly? Praying earnestly is to pray with sincere heart, with intense conviction, to be serious with what we are doing, and also with great expectation for God to move. I know some of us, we just pray because we want to tick the box. I'm praying because I wake up in the morning. Lord, I'm waking up in the morning. Help me and protect me. And then you sleep in the night. Lord, thank you for protecting me. Now I'm sleeping. Please protect me again. And that prayer is just weak. But Jesus, when he's calling us to pray, he's, praying, he's calling us to pray with a sincere heart, with an intense conviction, with a seriousness of heart to see the lives of people turning to him. Crossing the line, of faith, the, the line of faith. So if your prayer is not there, God said you are even not even ready to go and share the gospel. Because the power of turning people's hearts, because it is his harvest, it's not even your harvest. You can do it with your own experience and all your uh, intellect where we are able to speak uh, uh, nicely. In your, so you can do it with girlfriends and boyfriends, but when with souls, people, they need something that is solid, grounded in the... In the word of God. So there are three things that I found from this passage that I thought, I think it was so important to link it to this thing of prayer. What God wanted, uh, Jesus wanted them to pray with a sincere heart and great conviction for positive response. He's calling us to pray to the Lord of Harvest to send out laborers. We need to pray for laborers who are willing to be sent, like Isaiah said, Lord, here I am, send me. But I think the most important thing, why you will be able to be convicted uh, and have this great desire in your heart to say, Lord, send me, is to understand the why. Why you have to do what you're doing. Jesus says, I'm sending you because I am the Lord of Harvest. And I've already prepared the harvest ahead of you. And he is just sending us to go and harvest it. Isn't that amazing? Together, you don't have to work hard to plant the seed, to make it to grow. Said, I have done this. I have prepared this from long ago. So every time when we do a missional me here at church, there's nothing that always motivates me, just understanding or being reminded that I'm doing the missional me because of missional he. Because God is already on mission. He has started this long ago. Before the foundation of the world, he chose his people towards him. So my job is just to go and just ignite that. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse um, 1 and 2 says, Long ago, in many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us. By his son, whom he has appointed as an heir of all things, through whom he has also created the world. This is God's business from the beginning of the world. To try and bring people back to him. He has used a lot of prophets. He has used all of priests. He has used uh, Jesus' son, but today he wants to use you and me. But we need to pray that God help our hearts to see that. Help our hearts to say, yes, Lord, to the things of your kingdom. He has already prepared the field for us. He has not just been on mission, but he's also prepared the field for, uh, before us. They are ready for harvest. Our prayer will be a prayer of response and availing ourselves and say, Lord, Will you please show me where you want me to go today? Who do you want me to meet today? Give me the boldness to be able to share your gospel with them. That will be a powerful prayer if we wake up every morning. One person that you have sent me to talk to today. And will you give me the boldness that I can be able to share your gospel with them? Because sometimes we waste 24 hours every day without even speaking about Jesus. And we go around, we talk about all nonsense. All things, I'm a pastor, this, 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 this thing that don't, don't save anyone, don't take anyone to heaven. But the greatest thing, the message of the kingdom, we keep it in our back pocket. But if we wake up in the morning and say, Lord, prepare my heart. Because if we don't pray that, we'll never have this boldness to be able to share the things of God with people. I believe that nothing happened by chance. Where you're working is not a chance. Where you live, God determines the places and times where people should live. Where you're gymming, wherever you're walking, maybe every day, is not a chance. It is a plan of God for you to use that opportunity. God will always use every opportunity and every moment he gives us with people that it brings into our path. But this is a question that I need to ask you today. Are you using those opportunities? Or maybe you miss them because the main focus is more on the things of this world and the cares of this world more than the kingdom of God. Secondly, as we go to the field, we need to pray for harvest. That people may receive and respond to the message of the kingdom of God. That we may see people come into salvation. We need to pray and ask God to use us to sing the greater break in in the kingdom of God, of the kingdom of God in people's lives. But it is true that we can't save anyone. We can't save anyone We can always have a great vision. We can have powerful programs. We can have great strategies of doing things. But without the help from above, all our efforts will be in vain. We need to trust God's power and his Holy Spirit to bring conviction to men and women's hearts through prayer. As we go, we need to pray for harvest. God With you, do what we cannot do. Can you reach people's hearts? We can talk to their ears, but you are the one who can reach the heart. The second thing we need to pray for, protection. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. I was just wondering why Jesus is talking about that he's sending us as lambs and i even went and google like the difference between sheep and lamb the sheep is a bigger one the lamb is a little baby even more helpless <laughs> i thought maybe if we talk about sheep maybe at least it's got some strength lamb cannot depend on themselves they are so dependent on their shepherd as defenseless as they are but Jesus is sending them in the midst of wolves and that's amazing because God don't want us to depend on our experiences don't want to depend on our tracks things that we can be able to use if you follow this step then people will be saved he don't want us to follow to depend on our strength and power because sometimes you can do it because you've got some power but no you, even if you are a child even if you are, you are weak, even if even the, the people are disabled, they can be able to do this because God is sending us as weak as we are in the midst of wolves. Why lambs out of all animals? I think it is because the kingdom message is the message of peace. We need to go peacefully, not to be force, forcefully forceful with our message but to be gentle in our approach when we're talking to people. We, you know, sometimes I know, you know when, we, when we go saved, we were so passionate about Christ. And, like, and we were, when we're looking at someone who's not saved, we're like, you guys, you really, how do you miss this? And then when you get home, we, we kind of like be harsh with our parents and uh, because they still don't understand this. We, we're staying with our dad at home. He, he, he don't even, when you tell him about Jesus, he will just take you somewhere else. But we need to be gracious. We need to be patient with him because God has sent us as lambs. So this is so important to know because he knows that when he's sending us, we might encounter some attacks on the way. That is why Jesus, in the previous chapter, chapter 9, he's telling his disciples, he says, if you want to follow me, if you would like to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Following Jesus is taking a risk. It's not just you going because it's comfortable, it's easy. You take a risk. Wolves are dangerous animals. Their job is to hunt, is to hurt, is to kill And to destroy the lambs. It is so important to notice that Jesus is saying, I am the Christians, the the lambs are representing the Christians. If you miss that, you will miss everything. He said, I'm sending you as lambs. He didn't say, I'm sending you as wolves. I'm sending you as lambs. Because the wolves are the people of the world who are always against God's kingdom and against his people. But it is a very sad heart to report that in my experience with church and churches wherever I've been, in our days, the enemy has just changed that around. And he put this verse upside down. The wolves that are sent, are sent to the, to the lambs. More wolves are found inside the church in our days. I think it's a strategy of enemy to try and confuse the kingdom of God. Our church are filled with people who have come for wrong reasons. We have come for their own selfish personal gain. People who have come to harvest what God has already gathered together. For their own selfish gain and purposes. There are these kind of people who always enjoy tearing others down by the way they talk, by the way they behave, by the way they treat others. They take it as if it's not their job to look after people's hearts. They don't even care how other people feel as long as they are happy and they gain whatever they want. I think even at church, people are coming for hunting, boys and girls who's looking nice. And then once they get what they want, they, they disappear. And they come wearing the sheepskin, skin, but inside the wolves hiding. And whenever they're ready, they will just open up. And, but how will we be able to, to identify that? Just a little touch, their skin will fall off. <laughs> oh, untouchable, yeah, bon? So because once you touch a specific person, the skin will come off, the true colors will come out. You will see my true colors, you will see who I am, who I am made of. Only then you will realize that it was not sheep from the first place. But this was just a wolf hiding under the sheep's skin. The wolf in sheep's clothing is someone who appears harmless or ordinary, but it really is really very dangerous and powerful. You will feel the bite after after a meeting with that person. You're like, sure, <laughs> it looks like something bite me here. We have been warned. But this kind of people in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 and 16, it says, beware, beware of the false prophet, because they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are riven as wolves. And then he says, you will know them by their fruit. I don't think it's too hard to see the lamb. If we want to see the lamb, go and touch the lamb. Push the lamb. The lamb will just over 10, will just fall, and then we will help the lamb to, grow, to come up. But if you want to see the wolf, touch the wolf, the skin will fall off, and then we'll see the difference. Jesus knew that it will be hard for the lamb to protect themselves against this kind of wolves. That is why he encourages us to pray and ask God to protect our hearts and minds. As we prepare and persevere and Allow ourselves not to be discouraged, but to keep sharing the good news of the kingdom of God. And thirdly, we, God is encouraging us to pray for provision and contentment. In verse 4, He says, Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Uh, greet no one on the way. Whatever you, uh, house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if the son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborers deserve the, his wages. Do not go from house to house, don't jump around. What, wherever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is said before you. When I was just reading, I was just looking at like God said, "Take nothing, because I will provide for you." But when I am providing for you, be content in your heart, be satisfied with what God is providing, because I think people are falling into sin by keep chasing and jumping for the things that God has not prepared for them in that season. And uh, when Garrett was just reading that passage, I was like, it was making so clear that you will never have enough. You'll never be satisfied by keeping chasing the things of this world. Because only Jesus that satisfies, nothing else. And, and there is another reason why I say, do not jump from house to house. Because sometimes you might think, hey, in this house where I've entered, I think somebody else is in another house, they're having a better life. Then you're deciding to move from your house and go to somebody else's house. And now you're not fulfilling the ministry that God has called you to do in that particular place. And he's now casting down things of jealousy, the things of pride, and things of selfish gain, of greediness. And he said, no, be content. And just when you enter in that house, say, God will provide for you. As they go, they needed to trust God for provision for their needs. They were not supposed to move from house to house, looking for better houses, expensive things. They, uh, but they had to be content with what God is providing for that moment. In Matthew 6, verse 25, this is a challenge that we're facing now, especially uh, after COVID-19 and lockdowns and, and things that are uh, Uh, happening in our economy, in our world, says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, not about your body, what you will put on, is not love more than food, nor the body more than clothing. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what you will eat, or what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. And sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So I want to, to point you to the repetitions here. And uh, emphasis that's been there. And do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. I think what is really troubling us these days, people are suffering from depression. People are suffering from anxiety. People are really sick in their bodies. Why? Because there's no contentment. And people, they were like, if I can have this. They're like chicken, which is uh, seeking for food, but they keep Panding it for by pandelanga move. So, but this is so important that we, we 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 get to this place where we say, Lord God, help my heart so that I can be able to focus on your kingdom. Because if we don't have this satisfaction in our hearts, we'll never give our life for God because we'll become colleagues, we'll become people who are chasing after the things of the world, like the people of the Gentiles. But if we can say, Lord, Whatever you put in my place, I want to be faithful in that season. That is one tool that the enemy is using every time to stop us from advancing God's kingdom. People, they don't have time. People are busy. Why are you busy? I don't have even time to share the gospel because there's no satisfaction in your heart. And last point, God has called us to, to go he has called us to, to, to pray. And lastly, he has called us to proclaim the good news. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if the son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. He is calling us to proclaim peace Over all broken relationships. I think the first broken relationship that we can easily recognize is a broken relationship with God. God's kingdom has come to speak peace between us and God. He has come to bring the message of reconciliation between us and God. To redeem the relationship that was broken by sin. Because of that sin, then there is a second a broken relationship is a broken relationship with self and the kingdom of God has come near to bring peace within ourselves he has come to restore our identity that was lost through sin because Jesus knew that broken people will always break others the only thing that turns us upside down not to be the lambs and becomes wolves is because we don't have peace within ourselves and because of that, then we will end up breaking others. We, will, we all need the inner peace. And thirdly, God's kingdom has come to fix our broken relationship with each other. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 says, For he himself is our peace, because he has made us both one and he has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility that cause enmity between us as people. You know, the kingdom of God has come to bring the healing that we need. And he said, when you come to that house, you must heal. You must heal. He has come to bring the healing that we desperately need physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Jesus wants to use you and me to bring justice, to bring healing, to bring salvation, and to help to set the oppressed people free, as Luke chapter 4 says. Just take a moment and just think right now how might God be leading you to usher in the peace of God, to bring God's comfort? those who are hating to bring joy into all circumstances. Once you know that, what God has said, act on it. Act on how God has led you today. Brothers and sisters, I know that we can't save anyone. We are not even responsible how people, they, they can respond uh, to the gospel but we are all responsible for telling others to share the message of the kingdom. I so struck when I was reading this uh, passage, the next verses. He says, verse 11, even after you, you shake off the dust from your feet and you, uh, you say you wipe it off against them, but he said, nevertheless, do not be discouraged. Share the message with them that the kingdom of God has come near. You share the gospel with people who accept it. You share the gospel even with people who do not accept it. But our responsibility is to share the gospel. So that people will have no excuses before the judgment seat of God. Because sometimes we can say, ah, anyway, I've been telling this this person for many years, but they don't even listen. So now you stop sharing the gospel. So you are the one who earned the wrong because you keep sharing the gospel. You keep sowing the seed because you will never know when that seed will germinate. As we listen to this message, how is the Holy Spirit encouraging you or maybe leading you to turn the brightness button up wherever you work, wherever you play, wherever you live? In what ways maybe you think God is sending you into the world to go out and shine for Him? In, in, in landing, as we close today's message, Jesus, He says, He's calling us. He says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But He's sending us to go, He's sending us to pray their hearts, for the soft hearts of people who say I will go for the soft heart of people who will receive the message and he's sending us to go and proclaim the good news of God Jesus is calling you today will you respond to his call or you, maybe you'll be like those guys who say I have other priorities I've got other important things that I need to do or you put God first and His kingdom. Will you join Him on His mission? Will you allow Him to speak peace into your life and your situation? Because sometimes the thing that makes us not to go out is because there's so many noise in our hearts and minds that causes depression, anxiety that makes us not even think about helping others. The only thing that you think about, how can I have enough? How can I be able to, to survive? How can I do this? But God said, do not worry about those things because I'm going to provide. But go out and share. Go take this message to the world and people around us. I want us to land on communion because communion is a very good symbol that always reminds us about this very truth that we're talking about, that the kingdom of God has come near. This is a very good symbol. Jesus brought the kingdom of God down on earth for you and for me. And he's sending us to go and send the very same message that we have received from Him. Jesus came, He lived, He suffered, He died and they rose again on our behalf in order to bring peace into our lives. Because we had no peace between us and God. We had no peace within ourselves. We had no peace with each other. We had no peace even with the, the creation around us. But Jesus brought the kingdom of God to us. And the good thing he says now, the kingdom of God is near. Is near if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved and he has brought this kingdom that will bring peace into all kind of situation he has come to reconcile us back to our father he has come to bring peace between each other so that when we receive this message we cannot just keep it to ourselves but we will take this message and give it to others We are not yet to receive this peace that we receive from the kingdom message of God. He says, do this in remembrance of me, because the kingdom of God has come. When we realize that the kingdom of God has come, we will take it to ourselves, and then we will go and share this with other people around us.